You see, all of Scripture, all over Scripture, has been building and moving to this moment, Friday and Sunday, when God himself would be sacrificed for our sin and he would rise from the dead. But there's one story that I think is very, very explicit. And it's a story of Abraham and Isaac. You see, Abraham is promised a child and nobody thinks Abraham's going to have a child because Abraham and his wife, they're way past childbearing years. His wife is barren and yet God gives them a son. He opens her womb. It's a miraculous birth. He's given this miraculous child, his only son, and he names him Isaac. His name means laughter. And then as Isaac grows up, God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham, I can't imagine what he's processing and what he's thinking, but in faith, he follows the Lord's direction. And he tells his son and he and a few servants they are going to go on a three-day journey to a mountain. And so as they go for three days, the sentence of death is weighing over Isaac's head. And Isaac doesn't really know what's happening. And they get to the mountain. And the mountain that they're at is called Mount Moriah. It is a mountain in Jerusalem that will one day be called Calvary. And as they're at the bottom of the mountain, Abraham looks at Isaac and he says, I need you to carry the wood up. See, Isaac is much stronger than Abraham. And so he takes the wood and he puts the wood for the sacrifice on the shoulders of Isaac. And Isaac then begins to ascend the mountain. And as he gets up near the top of the mountain, he looks over at his dad and he says to Abraham, he says, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. So they get to the top. And they're up there and they, they, they configure the altar. And what would have happened is they would have put the wood down and then Abraham would have asked his son Isaac to lay upon the wood. And he would have stretched his arms out and tied his arms down for the sacrifice. And Abraham is in that moment contemplating everything that's taking place. I'm sure tears are streaming down his face and he has a knife and he, he pulls the knife back. And just before he brings the knife forward, it says that an angel stays the hand of Abraham. And the angel of the Lord says that God will provide a substitute. And so Abraham and Isaac look over, and what do they see? They see a ram caught in a thorn bush. And they take that ram that's covered in thorns, and they sacrifice the ram. I mean, the... It is very explicit what is being foreshadowed. But one interesting detail is a little bit off in this passage. Because as they're ascending the mountain, Isaac says to Abraham that I'm not sure where the lamb is to be sacrificed. And Abraham responds, he says, God will provide a lamb. But at the top of the mountain, God doesn't provide a lamb, he provides a ram. Those are different. I learned that this week. A ram is an adult male sheep. A lamb is a baby sheep. And they're regarded as innocent and pure and blameless. And so there's a question that has been running over all of history as God's people have been asking this question, where's the lamb? Because that day God provided a ram, but not a lamb. And that question is begging to be asked. And then it moves to this moment 
where John the Baptist in the very first chapter of John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They've been asking this question, where is the Lamb that's going to be provided as a sacrifice, as a substitute? And John the Baptist says that, behold, it's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God has arrived and the day has come. I can't imagine the feelings and the emotions that Jesus is processing at the end of that supper that we celebrated last night as he goes into the garden and he's wondering what's going to take place and he's wondering what's going to happen. And he knows what is coming, but it's really important that we don't separate Jesus's humanity from his divinity because Jesus felt agony. He felt pain. He suffered. And so he's processing what is going to take place as he's in the garden. There's this question that is being asked. And the question is this, will the miraculously born only son of God carry the wood of sacrifice up the hill of Calvary, lay down on top of the wood. And at that moment, when his accusers, that is coming and it's building to Friday, when his accusers pull back their hand to take the nails and drive them through the hands of Christ, will God stay the accuser's hand? Or will he allow him to be lifted up? And Jesus is processing this and he's in the garden. He prays this prayer. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. See, Jesus felt agony on this day. It was a dark day. He knows what is coming. He, he is feeling such pain and agony and distress that his blood is literally turning to blood and falling off of his head and his arms to the ground. But in the midst of this agony, because Jesus knows what's coming, he knows what's going to happen. It says that he rests in the Father's will. He says, not my will, but yours be done. And so he's taken, as we've read tonight before the Sanhedrin, he's taken before Pilate and he is falsely accused and he's silent. He is brought before the people and he has labeled all of these things all over him that is not true. And he's silent. So for one moment when he says, I am the Christ. And then he's taken, he's put a crown of thorns on his head and he's tied around a post. And he's whipped as the flesh is, is literally being ripped from his back and he's wincing in pain, but he's silent. And then after all of that, they untie him and he's weak and they take the wood and they put it on his shoulders and he's losing blood. And so he's surely he's lightheaded and his strength is failing him. He's struggling to climb the hill, Calvary, the same hill that Isaac climbed the whole time. He's silent. Then they lay the cross down 
And they put Jesus on top of the wood and they, they outstretch his arms and they cross his feet and they take these huge nails and they put them right over his hands. And you can imagine all of heaven and all the people watching. Is this going to happen? Is the hand going to be stopped as it's coming down to drive the nails in? And the whole time Christ is silent and in a moment there's shock. Certainly shock. In heaven as they're watching that the father allows the soldiers to drive the nails into his only son. He's pierced and he's put upon that cross and he's lifted up. And this whole time he's silent. And then he says one thing. He breaks his silence. And he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. The whole time as he's accused, he's silent. He's beaten, he's silent. He's mocked, he's silent. He's laid on the cross. Nails pierced into his hand, lifted up, called the king of the Jews. It's a ridicule and he's quiet. And then he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You see, this night is a sobering night for us. As we process the lengths that God went to, to rescue us, to offer a substitute and a sacrifice, his only son, his perfect son, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, gave himself up for us. And we were to feel that, we're to be moved by that, we're to absorb it, But it's not a dark night for us. It's a good night. It's Good Friday. And the reason that this is Good Friday is because though Jesus is silent through this whole trial, at the very end, he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because he is in fact the Lamb of the God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray.